Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben and Peter is not here because he's on holiday, so I'm instead joined by Are you what are you, senior writer? Is that your job title? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's it's recorded now. You've committed to it. Oh man, I don't know for sure. I just thought that sounds right, doesn't it? It's Philip J. Reed. Hello, Philip. Hello, Ben. How on earth are you? <laughs> I am on Earth. Thank you for noticing, and I'm doing really well. It's a nice, sunshiny morning over here in the U.S. of A. I mm-hmm. assume it's a little bit later for you. It is, yeah. But it's still, it's been. Um, oh, I looked out the window. It's grey. It was oh, nice earlier. It was nice that. when I turned around earlier, Philip. <laughs> Don't turn around. There's a song about that. No. That's it. I'll just shut all the windows and curtains. And then the bad weather can't get me. Uh, so people will, of course, know of your work on the channel, even if they don't know you directly. But they may well have seen your What It Means to Me episode about Resident Evil. And you are, of course, a wizard in all things Resident Evil. Can you briefly <laughs> talk through what your sort of duties are on the channel and the kind of work you do for Triple Jump? Absolutely. Uh, my most visible work is certainly the uh, the ranked scripts, which we will talk about. Those are the every X ranked from worst to best videos. Um, they are I- extremely long. Uh, so if it takes a while to watch, just know it takes exponentially longer to put together. And those are a lot of fun. And that's probably the bulk of my work. The rest of it is working with uh, our other writers who submit uh, various scripts, but usually our top 10 lists and I help them pick topics and uh, the different entries. They submit them to me, and they arrive in really good shape because somehow Ben and Peter and everyone on this channel are really good at attracting talent. Uh, I don't understand it either, but they are. And, yeah, they come in great, and I just kind of work with them to hopefully, you know, just make it as strong as it can be and then get that over to the to the boys who record the voiceover. We do indeed. Philip does fantastic work. We praise him all the time. And uh, as you say, we'll we'll get into your ranked script writing a little more in just a moment. But before we get there, yes. we need to talk about our sponsor, Philip. Okay. It's, it's real. Are you ready? I, I was born ready. 
Okay, this week we are sponsored. Of course, these sponsors, we thank them from the bottom of our hearts because they allow us to do this podcast for you. Um, and this week we are sponsored by Ratchet and Clank Ripped a Fart. I was trying to just let that one hang there. and uh, No, I, I, I was, appreciate it. I was unable to do that. Um, but honestly, I don't... You know how sometimes you just laugh for no reason and you you're at a loss to explain it that's that's my situation here because i know this is real and i'm interested yep. in hearing more about it this is a, a very real game it's coming from uh, sony interactive entertainment insomniac games the developer oh, um yeah it's it it leverages the power of the playstation 5 it's coming this month i think now and uh, yeah ratchet and clank ripped a fart that's a real game it's real um philip Yes. It's not actually real. <laughs> you know, you built I that up. I lied to you. I was waiting for details, and I honestly figured you would say, we will get more details at E3, because E3 is right around the corner, and I was mm. I was okay with that. Um, but yeah, realizing that nothing else is coming, I frankly don't know what to say. Do you feel like the rug's being pulled out? Yeah, I do. You? Yeah. I'm, I'm always surprised, you know, when you guys do this to each other, and... and you know, whoever's reading the ad tricks the other. And I think, how is that possible? But now being in this seat, I realize it's very convincing. It's brutal, isn't it? It really you is, feel like yeah. like just a, a bit of your soul has been taken. It's gone. You briefly lived in a world where Ratchet and Clank ripped to fart was real. It's but it's not, world. unfortunately. And we are not sponsored by Ratchet and Clank ripped to fart. We are sponsored by our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where for as little as $1 per month, you can get access to the podcast post that goes out weekly. And that is where we solely source questions for this podcast. Now, we're not going to the questions just yet because we need to decide in the video version oh. of this podcast where we are walking. Do you have any suggestions, Philip? Uh, well, I, I will need clarification on this. Peter, he's not just uh, away from the podcast. He's away from his home. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, maybe we walk through his home, whatever editor James okay. Jenkins thinks Peter's home looks like. James Jenkins has been to Peter's old home, uh, which is where um, we shot Main Menu. So I, we could walk through the Main Menu set, we except do that. we're also in in the shot. I, I kind of missed that set. I understand completely why we haven't seen that set in a while, and that is a good thing that we haven't seen that set in a while, but still, mm -hmm. kind of missed that. That was a good show. Well, we're looking at it right now. So there oh, we go. Of course. What was I thinking? I had my eyes closed. The main menu set. It's it's there. It's real. I love it's it. It's fantastic. It's everything it I remember. It's amazing. Now, we're going to take a little uh, trip over to something that is actually real. Really, really very real. We're going to learn all about TripleJump.gg. As well as our extremely real and totally not fictitious in any way sponsor, I'm thrilled to announce that we've officially partnered with PlayStation, Xbox and Nintendo to sell their codes through our own website, TripleJump.gg. Here you can get everything from topping up your digital wallets to PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live Gold, Xbox Game Pass and Nintendo Switch online subscriptions, as well as Minecraft Minecoins if, you know, you really want to buy a fancy dirt block or 
whatever it is you do with Minecoins. It's 100% legitimate, directly supports us, and provides you with the delightful digital currencies you're going to buy anyway. Visit triplejump.gg to browse our full stock. Triplejump.gg. This is a real sponsor. It's time for question one, Philip. Yes. What we got? We have a question from Steven Skodes. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy before, but he's, he's, he seems pretty nice. He says... In passing, yeah. He says, hello, Ben and Philip. Hope you guys are doing well. My question for Philip is, which ranked video script took the longest to write and research, and how difficult is the process of researching everything? Love the work you guys do. Um, so he means you and I by that. He has no kind words for Peter and his work, which... Not at all. A little out of line, but yeah. whatever. Um, this was a really easy one <laughs> for me, Ben. I, I am going to throw this a little bit to you as well, but um, okay. in terms of the work that I had to do, without any question, every console ranked. God, I, yeah. I cannot remember how long that took. I think that was months. Uh, at that point, you I bought was, a book. I did, yes. I. <laughs> Boy, there was a lot involved with this one. Um, yes, I ended up buying a book uh, because the research that I was finding online, uh, research that other folks had done, and that's that's a good thing. It's always great if you can leverage work somebody else has done to make mm -hmm. your stuff more reliable. It's um, a point of reference. But a lot of it is just misinformation, and I'm sure it isn't maliciously so, uh, but... I'm, I'm going to give an example. I don't remember what console this was, but this is vaguely what actually happened. You'll look on Wikipedia, and it will have the list of every console and how many units they sold. And uh, one of them will say, this console shifted 500,000 units, and they cite their source, which is great. And then you click to actually look what their source says, and it's a guy giving a speech to investors, and he says, we expect to move 500,000 units. Uh, and, and that isn't really anybody reporting that it sold 500,000 units. It's just it's the closest thing anyone ever gave to um, uh, it's a conclusive information, and it's not conclusive at all. So there was a lot to untangle. Um, the book that I bought, which we did show in the video, it's escaping me right now, so I, I cannot give the author credit, but it was extremely helpful, especially when it comes to the earliest consoles where the documentation is either completely unreliable or does not exist. Um, but also, with every console, Ben, you and I actually decided how to define the metrics for that. Because yeah. <laughs> we, you might remember better than I do, but we hashed out a bunch of different ideas when you're ranking uh, get every Simpsons game. You know, you sit down and play mm -hmm. the Simpsons games and you rank them. There you go. Nice and easy. But with a console, it's not okay, go buy every console and a representative game library and play them all and rank them. Because that's impossible for dozens of reasons. So we, you and I, decided we went with... Um... Oh, what was it? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it now. I've, okay. I've still got it. Like Just a little... It was, it was just sort of a mock-up. Uh, we scored them, or at least this was the, the suggestion. We scored a console out, out of 10 in four different categories. One was units sold. Yes. Um, cultural significance in terms of did it change the game is what it says here in parentheses. Uh, number of exclusives over 80%. I'm assuming average score. Yes. And price at launch. The lower the score, the better and adjusting for inflation. So sort of those were the, I think those were the main touching points 
that we use to justify various consoles placements i know cultural significance is somewhat more subjective than the other mathematics scientific based scoring uh, or scores sorry but uh, yeah i think that was it wasn't it I, I think you're right um i don't know if we added something at some point but that that was definitely the uh basic framework of it and from that it's it's a lot of work to track down all those numbers and uh, adjusted for inflation obviously we we wanted to do that it would not make much sense to not do it but it, it's difficult because it's not as simple as um saying okay in 1983 the dollar was worth this many dollars today because some of this stuff was sold uh only in, in russia i know with like the handhelds or something was sold in uh the uk so you're you, you want everything in the end to be in the same units. I think we did end up going with American dollars, but everything had to be, you'd have to find the rate of inflation from you know English pounds in 1983 to 2020 or 2019, when we did the list, I guess, and then take that and carry that over to American dollars. And it was, it was a lot of work. Um, I, I don't, I'm very proud of it. I think it came out great. I don't know how much it's worth it, like in theory, (laughs) if we just roll the dice and say, here, at random, we pulled everything out of a hat and here you go. Here's your top 77 consoles ever. Like Mm -hmm. you would still get probably the same number of comments saying, I don't agree with this ranking at all. So we did a lot of work. We tried to do the best we can. Uh, I don't know that it actually results in um, a decrease in the number of people who disagree with it. But I do hope it results in an increase in people who enjoy watching it. Yeah, I mean, I learned a huge amount. From I did as well. Reading the script, but recording the voiceover and then watching it back. And I think as much as anything else, it's, I mean, it's definitely worth it in the regard of, of it being uh, an entertainment tool. Not an entertainment tool. Well, it is that. An educational tool is what I meant to say. Um because it, it really is... I don't think there's anything like that on YouTube. I'm fairly confident in saying no one's ranked all the consoles. Because that's a stupid thing to do. It was... Yeah, but, it was idiotic. And I nobody should ever do it. We did it. And I remember at the time, I did actually look to see if anyone else had done it. And mm. I didn't see anything like that. You you would see... Uh, I don't know. Just, just some channel. Bob63. You know, I rank every console. And it really is... You know, it starts at the NES, and mm-hmm. it covers Nintendo, Microsoft, Sega, and uh, PlayStation. And that's fine. Like, if, if that's all somebody wants to rank, that's absolutely okay. Those are all consoles worth talking about. To me, my goodness, the, the really interesting ones were the ones I had never heard of before. And mm-hmm. they're not, for the most part, they're, they're not anything I wanted. Uh, I was perfectly happy to never have owned most of these things, but... I don't know. To me, like the, the whole fun of it is digging up the stuff that nobody knows rather than making sure everyone agrees with the placement of the stuff they do know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm now just trying to find it. Still got this. Every console, there it is. Let's just pull one out at random. On page 21, the Interton Video Computer 4000, 1978. I'd never heard of that. I... The Deus Zemix, 1985. I wrote the script what and is, I couldn't tell you anything about these things at the time. You, <laughs> at the time, I knew something about the about Tandy Memorex Visual Information System, 1992. It's classic. Everyone loved that. 
not that console. Um, but, but my yeah, question... I think in that regard, it's 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 very important that that sort of stuff, documenting, although albeit in the yes. form of a somewhat subjective ranking from worst to best, I think documenting every single one of those is uh, is a real achievement. Thank you. Um, I I agree. I, I hope that it does actually help people that when they click on a video about every console sure it's possible we miss something but i think that's more comprehensive than anyone has done on youtube before and yeah i I hope they learn stuff about it i hope it interests them in areas of gaming history that they weren't aware of and i I hope they enjoy it uh was that also for you was that the most difficult script to cope with since it was so long (laughs) and involved i I was involved in a lot of the editing at the beginning. I haven't from the last for the last few because our in-house editor Alex uh, almost d- entirely does those on his own now. Uh, but certainly for a while, it was a it was a shared job between James Jenkins and myself. And James also carried some edits all by himself too. Um, and that one was a challenge. We ran into some roadblocks sourcing footage right. and yeah i would say some lessons were learned putting that one together um, wow i yeah. that that is uh, a surprise to me uh <laughs> by all means yeah if there's any lessons you need me to take as a, as a writer please let me know that is <laughs> we, yeah. we do cite our sources I, i'm assuming we were still we doing do. it back then extensively we we go above and beyond to cite sources sometimes that's not enough and you know what that is on us to be fair but certainly every console's ranked um was difficult for that reason, but I also think because just some of these consoles, no one has them. No one really has. There's some of them. There's just no footage of. We right. have to rely on sort of small, low quality screenshots of old magazines and stuff. And then when you do deal with footage, because some of these consoles are so rare, there is maybe one or two places that have usable footage. But you know, and and that's the difference between covering a game. Whereas, uh, as opposed to covering a bit of hardware, because a game, there's a good chance there's going to be loads of footage of all sorts of games, lots right. of brilliant channels like World of Long Plays upload full playthroughs of, of practically every game ever released. So yeah, that, that stuff is isn't helpful. so bad. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say yeah, I, I imagine it is. It's not your longest script though. You have written longer. I have. It's not something people will see for quite some time, unless you're referring to mm-hmm. something else that I'm forgetting. No, I, th- I think it is that one. Okay, that that'll, one. that'll be our New Year script. So this is a little teaser that uh, we, we've already completed our New Year script. So that should give you an idea of how long these things <laughs> take to produce, that we're halfway through yeah. the year, and this is about the right time to have finished our New Year script. It is. It is a long one. It took me the better part of a day <laughs> to check through it. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was awful. It was incredible. I, I, <laughs> how many pages was it? I suppose I can check that now, actually. I would have to look as well. I I'm guessing it's like sixty pages. It's um it's 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 something for sure. <laughs> it's it's your most comprehensive work ever. So I, I would be That's curious it. if anyone out there. I, I don't intend to drop any hints beyond what we've already said. Uh, it, just hearing that this script would go sixty pages and it's every blank ranked from worst to best. I'd be curious mm-hmm. if anyone can guess what that is. I'm now I'm now struggling to find it. This is this is me revealing live that I have deleted it. <laughs> I couldn't blame you. Where's it gone, I'm... Philip? Where is it? It's meant to be in here. Oh my. I'm also having trouble finding it. No, I found it. Let's see. 
It is 63 pages, 24,500 words. Good Lord. Yes. Good, good Lord. It's it's a big, right, that's, oh, I've got to try and find that later because I've <laughs> added notes to it and everything. So I'll, I'll, I'll find that in a right. bit. I know you did. You sent it back. I, I can... I can provide you with your own notes. Thank you. I've certainly sent it to Peter anyway, so I can I'll I'll track it down. It's on Slack somewhere. But uh, yeah, it's it's a huge amount of work these rank lists, and we know a lot of people really enjoy them, and they sort yes. of save them for special occasions. And uh, we've now this this will be in, in New Year's our our third year running, releasing a big old ranked video on New Year's Day, so you can lie in bed hungover and watch it. And that's our that's that's sort of the the thought process behind releasing it then anyway. Absolutely, yeah. That is our intention. Get very sick and then watch our video. <laughs> ranked, our rank lists of of a very unwell people. <laughs> Definitely, That's yeah. Also some of the planning there too. Uh, right, it is now time to move on, okay. Philip, to a section we've never done before. It's revolutionary, it's groundbreaking, it's called What We Play In. Wow. It's What We Play In time. Time to talk about what we play in. Philip, what have you been playing? Well, I'm glad you asked. However, I think this time we're really going to live up to the title of this section. I believe, Ben, that there is something that we plan. Uh, but Ooh. before before I get to that one, um, just this past weekend I finished Near Replicant, which was um, it came out a few months ago. It's not brand new, but it's fairly new. It's a remaster of, um, uh, what was it over here? I think it was Near Gestalt in the West. And in Japan they got Near yeah. Gestalt and they also got Near... Maybe it was near replicant, uh, but it was this... certainly just near in the U- in Europe. I think there was just a game called. Oh, near. Maybe... I'm not sure if it had a subtitle. I believe you're right. I think it was just near over here, over there. They got um, the two different versions, so that's why they had the subtitles. I think you're These correct. These names matter here. It's yeah, bonkers. it's it's very easy to keep straight, as you can tell. And uh, the story was just as easy to keep straight. Uh, I loved <laughs> it. I near automata um, is. That was one of my watershed moments that came out a few years ago, and I played it a little after release, and uh, it, it just absolutely blew me away. It's one of those games that you play and you really like, and then for weeks and months and years afterwards, it just sticks in your mind. And uh, mm-hmm. So when this finally... Yes, it, there was Western release, but I hadn't played that, so when this remaster was announced, um, I was very excited about it. I had heard that near when it was first released, it, it didn't get... Great reviews. I think people enjoyed it, but that was about it. Um, so I went into it thinking it's not going to be near Automata. I'm, I'm aware of that. Just go in with an open mind and get what you get. And I loved it. I Again, as a remaster, they may have changed a lot of things. Maybe the original version was kind of mediocre, but I thought this was, it was just a fantastic um, story that was very interestingly told. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Excellent. Did you get the new ending that they've added? I think I've heard a little bit about this. I know how obtuse near games are with making you get all those different endings. I think this one required you to collect all the swords, maybe? Oh, you, you have done your homework. Right. Um, I had to do the homework as well. You're correct. You had to get all of the uh, all the weapons. There's like swords and lances and all that. You had to grab all of those uh, to get, I think, three of the five endings. So I got the first mm-hmm. two. I I did think um, I'll get the first one. I'll get the second one because that uh, just going by near Automata, the second one is going to like show me all this stuff I didn't see the first time through. It'll recontextualize things. So I'll definitely do those. 
And then one day when I'm bored, I'm going to go back and get all of the weapons. Um, I did the first two, and I think I just immediately booted it back up to go through and get all the weapons and see the other three endings because I Excellent. I was just enjoying it that much. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I have heard... I mean, I really do need to get around to playing near Automata. It's, I think it's just daunting because I know that the, the, the true experience of that game is, is getting all the endings, and I don't know if I, if I have it in me. Uh, yeah, I can understand that mindset. But, like, again, even here, I knew near replicant i knew it was something i wanted to play and even then i i wasn't sure i'd you know grab all those swords and get all the endings like I, maybe i'll do that eventually mm-hmm. but i think once the games get their hooks in you it becomes a different story you end up wanting uh to experience more of the world right. and i'm being really vague and there's a reason for that um one the stories are confusing but two the moment you say anything and you put something in someone's mind if i tell you ben blank happens and that's yeah. in your mind. I have already informed the way you're going to view things. So, okay. so I'm being extremely vague on purpose. Um, but yeah, go into it knowing as little as possible. It is a good video game. It that's is all, a good game. It's all you need to know. I right? recommend it. Yeah. Um, my other one we can talk about uh, probably a little more specifically. Uh, I think you've also been playing it. Mass Effect. Hey. hey. Yes. That's the one. So yes, that that is another one that I just, I missed out the first time. It, it came to the West, it was huge, it was easy to get, but I didn't get it. So this is my first time, and uh, I, obviously by this point, everybody knows Mass Effect is, is well-loved, and it's held in very high regard. Hmm. It's difficult to be a newcomer to something like that when it has these lofty expectations. Uh, I would say, so far, it is exceeding those expectations. It is, Ooh. I knew it would be great, and it is better than I expected. Oh, fantastic! So you've have you not played any of the Mass Effect games at all? I played, I believe it was two, very very briefly. As in, someone had it. I dropped in. I thought, okay, I I want to do this properly. I'm, I'm not doing much. So my experience with that, I'm sure, was limited to an hour or two. Right, gotcha. Because uh, I'm making my way through Mass Effect One for the first time, apart from a very brief session with the game years and years ago. Right. Um, and I, Mass Effect 2 is one of my favorite games ever. I think it's just phenomenal. I remember and hearing that, yeah. Mass Effect 1 is, by all accounts, good, but nowhere near on the same level as Mass Effect 2. And I'm really enjoying Mass Effect 1, so I'm very excited to get to Mass Effect 2 and just have my mind blown all over again, I imagine. I mean, they're, they're, let's not mince words. The Mass Effect shooting and driving is not good and <laughs> the driving frankly, is they... a riot you, you, <laughs> yeah i suppose it is have you do you, you like you've bouncing got... off things sideways yeah i That's do the... and <laughs> if you had asked me a week ago i would have said no i don't enjoy that now that i've done it i yeah it's it's a lot of fun to just kind of throw that thing around like a toy and mm-hmm. i'm not <laughs> i'm not saying therefore these sections are good there are serious yeah. problems with these vehicle sections, but I'm enjoying them. I, I, I think I'm enjoying... I don't know. So much of the game works so well, and when something goes wrong, at least for me so far, it goes wrong in an enjoyable way. So nice, I yeah. really have nothing to complain about. Yeah, I think the variety is nice. That's for sure. I think yeah. the, the vehicle sections that were in Mass Effect 2 were significantly better. Um, but I'm not not enjoying myself for sure and 
I am constantly in awe at the world's least physically fit military officer, Commander Shepard, who can't run for more than three seconds before he gets tired. The fact that there's no way to upgrade his stamina is absolutely mind-blowing to me. I just can't believe how quickly he gets tired. He gets winded almost immediately. You are correct. I am going to present this as a positive because Mm. when he runs, and please tell me if I'm missing a setting, when he runs, the the camera goes berserk. (laughs) You know, it's like it's like it's on a it's like it's in a bouncy castle, and Mm -hmm. it actually makes me feel nauseous. So the fact that he can only run for brief and and we really do mean brief uh, sections, he. it's it's a good thing because if I ran any more than that, I, I genuinely think I would get motion sick. He cannot make it from one side of the room to another. Literally, he, no. he can't. But in that that space where he is able to run, there's nothing faster on Earth. Nothing. He's so quick, and then it's, he just needs to stop for a bit and have a pant. But it's pathetic. Like, and it's really annoying because I'm <laughs> just googling like. Why is why can't how to upgrade stamina Mass Effect One? Why does Commander Shepard get tired Mass Effect One? I just I couldn't. It just did not compute how this man was incapable of running for longer than you know two or three seconds. It just doesn't make sense. Well, the atmosphere is is thinner in space, so. Maybe. I mean, I suppose, yeah, maybe, yeah. You're you're right. That's the answer. You've got it in one, but I feel like Mass Effects real strengths come from what Bioware is so good at, the the lore and the world building. When I first got to the Citadel, I don't know about you, but I spent about four hours there just going everywhere and talking to everyone and doing all the sort of menial tasks and little bits and pieces and just just experiencing it all and, and sort of soaking it all in. It really is such a well-built and constructed universe, the Mass Effect universe. I agree entirely. I did the exact same thing in the Citadel, and uh, I was a little disappointed. It's fairly early in the game that you get there, so you haven't had much combat or anything. And I, I'm mm-hmm. not complaining, but it, I felt a little guilty the more time I spent in the Citadel because I wasn't actually <laughs> playing the game. Um, yeah. But God, just looking at all of the different alien species and uh, you know panning the camera around just to soak it in, it's, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. And I think that you've you've hit the nail on the head there in that Mass Effect 1 certainly has a lot of pacing issues. And I am remembering a lot of major plot beats as I'm coming across them, especially big uh, renegade versus paragon decisions uh, okay. because of the comic that came with Mass Effect 2. Yes, I remember on PS3. talking about that. Yeah, which was fantastic. And apparently that's also the case on this remaster trilogy as well. If you skip Mass Effect 1, which seemingly they, they, they have planned for, or maybe they just wanted to include it to make sure that this uh, remaster collection was as comprehensive as possible, right. but you get the same comic where you where you get to make the decisions from Mass Effect 1 if you don't import your save uh, ah, from the first game. I was going to say... Nice, I, I, but there we are. It is. It's very nice. I was going to say, I can't imagine anyone doing that, but I guess if mm. someone actually has played Mass Effect 1 several years ago and just doesn't want to do it again so they can play 2... It, yeah. it makes total sense to have it. I'm just a little surprised. Yeah, it's great, though. I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm only playing bits and pieces where I can. I haven't really had much of a chance. And that is the only game I've played because I was at a 
a wedding over the weekend. I was allowed to go outside and see people and celebrate some love, and that was really nice. That sounds uh, albeit really nice. in you know with with masks and limited attendees and stuff, but it was really lovely. But right. that did stop me from playing Mass Effect literally all weekend. God, so, I'm sorry to hear that. What a, what a I ter- terrible weekend far. it must have been. I know. I know. I was like, yeah, congratulations on your wedding. I hope you guys are really <laughs> flipping happy. I'm, I miss Rex. I need to go see him. I do like Rex. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, what's your squad? Oh, God. Uh, Tally, almost always. And um, oh, and the rest I'm actually just kind of cycling through because I know you get achievements hmm. for uh, uh, finishing X number of missions with each of the squad mates. So I keep Tally because she. Uh, she has the hacking skills. I forget what they actually call it in the game, but her hacking skills are astronomical, so that is always helpful. And then I just grab another character. So I, right. I think I'm gravitating toward Tally at this point. Nice. How about uh, you? I've I've got Tally, and at the moment it's Garrus, uh, but oh, yeah. I haven't yet picked up Liara because I'm very deliberately making my way from star system to star system. <laughs> en route to her to make sure I don't forget to visit any planets that I can. That is why. So I will get her eventually, and I imagine she will replace Garrus, but certainly it's Garrus and, and Tali for now. Nice. Nice little happy family. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Have you played anything else? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't believe so. I, I near soaked up all of my time, and I loved it. I'm not complaining. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Usually after a game like that, I will hop around and try different things and see what I'm in the mood for. And I thought that was going to be the case with Mass Effect. I'd pop in and say, yes, this is good. I don't know if I'm in the mood for it. But boy, howdy, I was in the mood for it. It's got you. It really does. It's got you. Well, that's great. You'll have to keep me posted on, on how you get on, and especially how you find 2, because 2 is just, oh, man. So I am excited. Yeah. I love 2. I will keep you informed. Excellent. Well, in which case, it's time to move on to question two, which comes from Carrie Buchter. And she says, Hi, boysies. Just a broad question about puzzles and video games. I like the addition of puzzle solving in games, but I wonder if it breaks the immersion for other players, especially when the puzzle is very time consuming or its mechanics have little to do with what your character is doing in the game. I don't know. I guess I'm just curious about your opinions. You don't have to read that last part out. It adds nothing. Thank you, Carrie. For your question philip what do you make of puzzles i know obviously your resident evil uh, pedigree precedes you and you didn't mention this at the beginning of the of the podcast but you literally wrote a book about resident evil so puzzles yes or no ah so <laughs> yes thank you i wrote a book about resident evil you can get it through boss fight books and there's a whole series of great books i didn't write all of them i only wrote one so i can tell you there's a whole series grab Whatever you're interested in, it's, it's usually worth the read. Um, with good. this question, I really fought myself because, yeah, obviously, first thing that comes to mind is Resident Evil, maybe Zelda games, because they have, um, they're very famous for having distinct puzzle sequences where the, the combat stops, the exploration stops, you now have to shove 500,000 statues around the floor and hope you get them in the right place. And <laughs> I don't know if that's at the heart of Carrie's question, but I didn't want to go there because like it or not, to me that felt like, okay, this is this is part of the design. This is deliberate. They want you to stop. They want you to solve these puzzles. So if you don't like it, fine. But they're doing what they wanted to do. For me, what came to mind as something that really uh, just interrupted the pace, in Half-Life 2, the vehicle segments 
because mm-hmm. you have all of these. Uh, the game had a great physics engine, especially for the time. So you've got all these physics puzzles throughout the game. And usually you're on foot and you're, you know, fighting head crab zombies and stuff. And you have to progress and you stack up some boxes, and that's totally fine. And then you get the vehicle segments. I think the first one is a a, a speedboat or something, an airboat, and you get in it and you're flying around through these big environments and it's it's a lot of fun. You're kind of getting the hang of the controls, but the, the pace is really high and the um, just the, the action is is probably uh, more intense than anything you'd seen in the game before. And it feels, in my memory, it feels like regularly, as soon as you get going, there's some kind of gate or something that's closed. You have to get out of the speedboat, walk around, find all the little... Uh, you know the barrels that you need to create a ramp to get back in the speedboat and go over the ramp, and later on I know it happens with a with a car as well. And it <laughs> the first time through it frustrated me because I I you gave me a, a, an airboat let me drive my airboat and have fun. Don't make me get out and and throw switches and you know turn dials and all this stuff to progress. And yeah. every time since it grates even more because now I can't even enjoy the airboat. Knowing that as soon as I get it, I'm in in the uh, uh, you know in in the cards now. I'm going to have to deal with all of these physics puzzles down the line that are just going to serve as roadblocks. So God, I love Half Life Two. <laughs> I don't know how often people complain about Half Life Two because there's so little to complain about, but those yeah. really stood out to me. Fair enough. Do, do you say or would you say sorry that that? largely you're you're in favor of puzzles i mean there are some pretty obtuse ones in resident (laughs) evil you've got to admit that i absolutely admit that and it's it's tough to um uh put myself back in the uh, position of a newcomer because certainly the first time i played resident evil and probably the first time i played two and a few other ones they were completely inscrutable there was no way to progress without uh, looking something up online or without turning to your friend who already solved it. Obviously, that's false. The information you need is in the game, but it's not It's not always clearly presented. At this point, I can go back and play a Resident Evil game, uh, even if I'm playing it for the first time, and I kind of understand its psychology. Like, I get a sense of the sorts of things it will want me to do, so that makes it a little bit easier. Going in completely fresh... Uh, I can absolutely imagine people getting frustrated if they're enjoying the game. In their in their mind, they have now defined the game as being in this location with monsters trying to kill them. And then the game says, no, for now you're going to look at some uh, paintings on the wall and you know, d- decide which uh, switches to throw underneath the paintings. And that's what you're going to mm-hmm. do, and until you're finished, you don't get back to the monsters. I, <laughs> I can understand that being pretty unwelcome. So Resident Evil, I would say, is the prime example for me. I think mainly the Resident Evil remake, which is excellent, obviously. It the, is excellent. The, the remake of the first one, the GameCube game. Uh, I encountered so many moments in that game where I was just like, for God's sake, what what do you want me to do? I don't understand. And in that sense i i have a very limited tolerance for puzzles in games especially when it's you know not ostensibly a puzzle game uh so i do enjoy the satisfaction of solving a puzzle but i really you know i need it spelled out for me pretty obviously i do enjoy the approach that uncharted games take where usually the 
the puzzle will be matching some symbols to notes in your little notebook and that's kind of it although i did infamously on stream a couple of years ago i was playing through uncharted drake's fortune the first one and you go to a library and there's a bit where you have to rotate a a few statues in the middle to face different directions and for the life of me i was just not getting it and i was getting all flustered because i was on stream and the and the whole chat was like, oh, rotate this, rot- rotate this, rotate this. And then, you know, people started taking the piss and telling me to rotate things the wrong way. And to this day, there's a joke that persists about whenever, whenever I play a game that's got a puzzle in it, someone will say, oh, the lion faces north. The lion faces north. The lion faces north every time. And it's moments like that that I just can't deal with. They, they take, they ruin the flow of the game. They completely take you out of it. And for that reason, I will often just Google a puzzle. I'll give it a good go first, sure. but I'm not I'm not going to waste time on it. Like, I'm not going to put down a game and think, man, I need to take a couple of days to think about that puzzle and then come back. And then I'm, and then I'm ready to go. Uh, that's just not how it works for me. I did enjoy Portal. Yes, because as a, as a game about physics puzzles, that just made it. It just makes a lot more sense. It's it's way more tactile, and in some instances, you can just sort of brute force a solution <laughs> to <laughs> to whichever puzzle you're you're faced with. So, while I will look stuff up if I'm getting stuck, I do I like puzzles in moderation, but not when it completely distracts from the flow of the game. I would say. Yes, and I'm actually glad you mentioned Drake's Fortune because uh, I I understand what you mean about uh, I don't really know how to explain it without sounding condescending. I don't mean mm-hmm. to sound condescending, but puzzles that you don't necessarily have to solve, just puzzles that have steps. You know, and, and Drake's got his little notebook, and it tells you what those steps are. You have to do them. You might have mm-hmm. to do a little bit of brain work, but basically, you won't get stuck. You have a solution. Um, yeah. But that game did get me stuck, not on the puzzles. But on uh, the, the little, I don't want to say escape sequences, because I don't think that's always the case. But you'll the have set something. Pieces. The set pieces, thank you, where things are crumbling around you, and you're hopping mm-hmm. from piece to piece uh, as something falls apart, and that's fine, and that's exciting. And I will hop from one piece to another piece, but it was the wrong piece, and now I'm dead. And it was, <laughs> I think the later games uh, visually expressed the path a little better, or maybe I just got better at them. But I remember that first one many times having to Google it because uh, it, it looks like I should be able to make this jump, but I can't, and nothing else looks like I should be able to do it. Uh, so yeah, that, I don't know, that always kind of frustrated me, having to replay that because I think the game wants it to be this nice, unbroken, exciting sequence. And if you do it properly, that's what you get. And if you don't, boy, that gets frustrating. Yeah, it it sort of completely defeats the entire point of that section. It's meant to be cinematic, and if if you see it for a second time, it's already ruined. It's just it doesn't work, right? Um, and and equally in the second game, I remember it at near the beginning when you're doing the heist mission. Um, there's a bit where you're where you've got to jump across a, a rooftop, and it automatically sort of in the way that Uncharted does so well and Naughty Dog does so well, it seamlessly transitions in, into a set piece, a little cinematic moment. And you're meant to jump across, but not quite make it far enough. And you grab onto like the drain pipe okay. and it, it breaks off and you start swinging from it. And uh, I remember completely mistiming my jump, jumping way too early so that as I'm 
sort of coming down from my jump, I just make it over the ledge I meant to jump off so that I'm about seven, eight feet away from this drain pipe I'm meant to be grabbing onto. And the game just magnetizes you. So you just fly horizontally along, even though I was miles away from it, just to make sure that I that I hit this set piece. Right, but, that's not immersion breaking at all. No, not at all. Not at all. So that there are drawbacks, certainly, to having, you know, your your entire design philosophy uh rotate around that sort of design um but yeah i I totally get what you mean but uh in general yeah puzzles they need to they need to fit don't they they do i think my only hesitation is uh i grew up like playing games like resident evil and early zelda games where you ben potter are correct the puzzle should fit uh but i'm used to them not fitting anyway and (laughs) i think i've just accepted that that's fair enough. That's more than fair enough. Well, sometimes when you encounter those puzzles in those games, you could describe them as being a little bit weird. You could, um, now that you mentioned do you, I don't suppose you have any paper on you, do you? Uh. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I have one piece of paper. It's a receipt from the post office. Oh my god. That's exactly what I'm holding. It's time for weird news! Weird news. It's weird news time. Time for some weird video game news. Philip, what have you brought along? Ben, I have a question for you. Um, Mm -hmm. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rank the game Among Us? I mean, I've not played it, miraculously. I don't think that's important. I'm going to say 10 out of 10. Right. Perfect game. Okay. Uh, also, 10 out of 10 scale. Uh, how would you rank mechanically separated chicken? I mean, batter it, 10 out of 10. Okay. This is the story for you. Uh, because oh, according to this headline from Screen Rant, brought to us by Thomas McNulty 17 hours ago at time of recording, uh, Among Us Chicken Nugget is selling for tens of thousands of dollars. Right. So I hope you've been saving okay. up, because this combines yes. both of your passions. Um, I'm going to skip over the beginning of this article. They just kind of explain what Among Us is. 
which it seems like that should come later because that's not what the story's about. But uh, where the story actually begins, it says, Last Friday, an amusing eBay listing appeared with a user attempting to sell a McDonald's chicken nugget, which is humorously shaped like an Among Us crewmate. The well, sell- okay, so th- hang on. So this person fa- encountered a chicken nugget that looks like a playable character from Among Us. Evidently. The, this, uh, the seller, Polizna, I'm, I'm almost certainly not pronouncing that right. But uh, Oh, it does here, here. It does say the seller, Polizna, he or she, reportedly discovered the suspicious treat in a BTS combo meal from the fast food chain. And then it explains what combo meals are. Um, <laughs> valuable chicken nugget is bean-shaped, like the crewmate's body, oh. and features two short protrusions, which resemble the crewmate's legs. There is a photo, and you know how McDonald's nuggets only have, like, four different shapes? Yeah. This one is the round one. It happens okay. It happens to have probably just two bits of chicken that fell off of something else, but they, they, they got battered to this thing. So it has two little things at the bottom that look like fingertips. And uh, evidently... Oh my God, look at it. <laughs> evidently... This is, it resembles the Among Us crewmate to the tune of several tens of thousands of dollars. Okay, I did not realize that this wasn't even, this wasn't just the bidding has started at $30,000. Do you know what it's up to currently? I have it open in another tab. Let me, okay. Yes, now I do know. And it is significantly higher than when <laughs> this article was published. What, what if I bid it on it? What if I did that? Ben, I have news for you, mm. because you've already bid on it. I have? Let me... Oh, God, where is it? It might have been in a different story. I'm sorry. But somebody, okay, one of these stories was shaming somebody because they placed a bid, and then they retracted the bid. And the bid was for $69,420. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff right there. That and is I the knew. Stuff. I thought... You can't fool me, Ben Potter. I knew exactly who this person was. I've reported you to eBay, and uh, your account is It was me. It was me. It was definitely me. God, this This is amazing. This is, yeah, it's up to $51,200 with 158 bids. That is absolutely bonkers. I mean, I just don't... Surely someone who works at McDonald's could easily replicate this, right? That, yes. I, 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 I can say that, um... With no experience and no authority, but absolute confidence. Uh, it does say in the description on eBay, um, this food product has an average expiration of about 14 days, but it will be delivered prior to expiration. So you can eat this. If you if you do win it for $50,000 plus, you can eat, eat your $50,000 nugget. Jesus, you know in three days we're going to get a Mr. Beast video called i bought the most expensive chicken nugget ever and he's gonna like do something really good with it like donate it to a children's charity or something unless like, we eat mr beast here's, the punch here is a chicken nugget <laughs> and that's go really wild. all it is i'm sure uh you know beneath the video on youtube at least you, you put the, the links to the news articles you will see a picture of it but if you look at this, I, I think you can look at this and conclude it somewhat resembles an Among Us crewmate. But mainly, if you if you take that out of your mind, this looks like a chicken nugget. Yeah, it is. It is a chicken nugget. 
that is that is true yeah. we know that that is really weird thank it's you my weird news you're welcome god i didn't realize how weird that was going to be okay my weird news not quite as weird this is from pc gamer and molly taylor sadist turns a bop it into a minecraft controller okay how do you feel about that i i don't know how i feel about that i am familiar with the bop it i am mm-hmm. I'm vaguely familiar with Minecraft. Uh, I, I I can honestly say, Ben, I don't know how this makes me sound, but I never thought of putting them together. Well, here we go. That's that's why Seth Altabelli is the guy who put this together and not you, Philip. So I suppose we'll just have to find out more, won't we? Please, yeah. Anything can be a controller these days. Old school dance mats, Wii balance boards, and then it says, hell, even Sony wants you to be able to use everything from a banana to a coffee mug, and then it hyperlinks to another story, which I'm assuming is some weird patent but what about something far uh, from far humbler origins like my childhood favorite toy bop it well seth alterbelly has taken the twisting pull-in toy and transformed it into a controller to be used with minecraft he shared the process and final workings on his youtube channel having built the controller for minecraft youtuber technoblade the process of changing the inner electrical seemed simple enough, with Alterbelly swapping out the usual Boppet control board for a Raspberry Pi and a little bit of soldering magic. There was also some far from far more sorry complicated mathematics that went into using the angle of the Boppet for movement, which he explains in his YouTube video for all the maths geeks out there. Uh, he then goes, oh Molly, sorry, then goes on to explain that. Uh, the the creator had some issues while playing because they they literally have to tilt it to sort of steer the curve. Yeah, I see that. This is and a strange. It's sight very to impressive. Yes, it's really impressive. But apparently, Altabelli fell foul to a surprise silverfish attack during his first playthrough attempt, with the boppet simply not being dexterous <laughs> enough to handle simultaneously running away and attacking or blocking the silverfish's path. Get so, good, basically. Doesn't sound ideal, but Do, no, even it doesn't, so, <laughs> doesn't look ideal either. I'm, you know, okay. So I know what a bop it is, and it's got all these doodads on it that you twist, mm-hmm. and squeeze, and everything. I'm really yep. surprised to see that they uh, implemented motion controls into this thing, or I guess it's at the very least tilt controls. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, like, it I, really I just, is. I just don't understand how how someone can be so clever and why they would use. <laughs> their immense talent for something as stupid as this it's true they could probably use this to uh you know solve the homeless crisis or covid they could uh right there's so much wrong with the world that a bop it could fix and this clown mm-hmm. decides he's going to play minecraft with it i think it's a very selfish perspective i i agree i think uh this person needs to have a long hard look in the mirror and Absolutely. uh then, God. as you say, use the bop it to solve uh, to solve COVID, cure COVID. With Why the not? It. Right, just do it. Mm-hmm. Just Either do, you do it. it, or you don't, and you're choosing not what, to. What are you waiting for, huh? Stupid. This is, this is genuinely. I had to shut the tab because I was um, mesmerized by the video. It's this is genuinely interesting. Yeah, it's it's, it's seriously impressive. <laughs> they they are very talented. Um, but yeah, there we are. Another way to play Minecraft, as if you needed one. I did, but it, it out. is weird. Yeah, so thank you for sharing. My pleasure. Now we're moving on to question three, Philip. Question three by Charlie Brain. 
Hey, Ben and Philip. I've been thinking recently about the impact of a soundtrack on the power of a game, especially in the emotional moments or key plot points. I wondered if you had any thoughts on how the music of the game has impacted you on an emotional level and made a scene or moment more impactful as a result. Are there any video game soundtracks you actively go back and listen to after the fact because they bring back memories of those moments? Sorry for the long question, but I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts. Keep up the superb work. You've really kept me going and kept my spirits up over the past year, and I can't thank you enough. Um, thank you, Charlie. And again, Ben, he's, he's thanking you and I, and uh, God, no love for Peter in these questions. No, no Peter love at very all. Very dismissive you, of his work, and I think that's... I'm I'm not I'm not happy, but um, well, thank I you don't so know. Much. I think yeah, it's, it's a little bit justified, but uh, yeah, thank you, Charlie. I appreciate it nonetheless. Uh, so, what do you think, then, Philip? Soundtracks, <laughs> good or bad? <laughs> um, yeah, not a fan of music really, so can't really say. Um, no, I will <laughs> just in general because soundtracks came up, and I talked about near earlier. Soundtracks to both near games are absolutely incredible. Um, but as far as Charlie's question goes, with specific moments. I'm going to go with a game. It, I don't think this qualifies as obscure, but it's probably not all that well known. Uh, Iconoclasts. Are you, are you familiar with this game, Ben? What's it called? Sorry. Iconoclasts. I have heard of it, but I'm not familiar with it. It's uh, it's an indie title. It's pixel art. It's a platformer. So you know, it's every other game except when you <laughs> play it. It's really, really good. And I discovered it a couple years ago, maybe a little more, and. That's another one of those games that just, it has stuck with me. And mm -hmm. let me be clear when I say it's an indie platformer. This, it, it contains elements that you don't expect of this kind of, uh, of the genre, basically, where the characterization is just phenomenal. And the story, it's, it's intentionally vague, it's a little obtuse, but it's extremely engaging. It's just such an interesting uh, experiment within the genre. So mm -hmm. I, I will not provide any spoilers if anyone is interested i encourage you to play it um you know and at least anything you would learn in the first few minutes of the game uh you play kind of a bit of a misfit you know you're the hero of this game but you're not necessarily a very heroic person and the people that you meet uh that become members of your party in most games they would all have their own abilities and skills and maybe their own backstories and they come to some kind of closure over the course of the game, basic character arc stuff. But here, you and your uh, teammates, for lack of a better word, you're just, you're there because you're there. Because somebody needs to solve this awful problem. And you are not the best people for it, but you are the people stuck in the moment. And right. the whole soundtrack is great, but there is, I looked up the name of it to be sure, there's one track, it's called Blessed Creations. And takes place as you, it plays as you're walking through uh, an end near the end game in an end game area and it has a very imperial sound like this kind of song you would hear in an RPG when you're walking through a castle or something um, but the tempo is much slower there's like a kind of trepidation to the song it feels like it finds its melody this sort of uh, you know bombastic conquering feel but it's unsteady and it's halting and it keeps losing confidence and falling back on itself. And it's it's just this amazingly perfect composition. And I think the person who made the game is the person who did the soundtrack. I think this was a one-man thing. Um, okay. And it, it just fits so perfectly to be in this position where you and your party have made it so far, 
really not necessarily deserving to be the heroes, but someone has to be the hero, or <laughs> or or you know, or everyone suffers for it. And you're stuck there, and you don't really know that you're going to be able to accomplish much. But here you are, and the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And the song so perfectly um, builds upon that. There's this kind of conflicting, conflicted anxiety to it, but it's still familiar. And yeah, that's that's not the only song in a video game that has moved me emotionally, but that has stuck with me. And uh, I will just say, Ben, you know, uh, I struggle with anxiety. So a composition mm-hmm. like that, that is so effective at evoking it, it speaks to the heart. And I have listened to that track numerous times since. Brilliant. That game, the way you described it, it sounds a lot like Bruce Willis in Armageddon and the yes. song Aerosmith, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Would I think there are a lot a of similarities. An equal parallel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in terms of quality, of course. I think those are probably Naturally. two of mankind's greatest compositions. I'm sure you agree. I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. What about um, you, Pat? Well, yes. Music is incredibly important to a game. Uh, really impactful moments in games that stick with you are usually accompanied by music or there's no music there there's there are horror games use this to fantastic effect when you walk into a room and there's no music it's immediately very ominous because you do not know what's going to happen you don't know what's going to happen uh so a few you know very easy examples Aerith dying in final fantasy 7 the very simple piano rendition of her theme as she as she slumps over in slow motion and then the full sort of orchestrated version of of her of her theme kicking in is is god it hurts it still hurts yeah. Listen, <laughs> i specifically sought out when the final fantasy 7 remake soundtrack went up on spotify i sought out Aerith's theme just just so i could hurt inside because it just triggers so many emotions from that moment that would not have been anywhere near as powerful without that music playing at the same time. I agree. Yeah, that's a great one. To a lesser extent, because I have real tunnel vision with games and I have a terrible memory where usually I'll either go to the same well for examples of things (laughs) or I will have to go from things that I've played recently because once it's about a year past in my mind philip it's gone it's gone until someone reminds me it's gone i can't draw from it in any way uh so i've also got a couple more examples here one is the tales from the borderlands series which i absolutely loved and i thought it was one of their one of telltale's best things that they did uh the beginning i believe of episode four and in fact all of the episodes the tit- there's there's always a bit of gameplay and then there's a title sequence for the episode and the series um and each episode of the series had a piece of licensed music that would play and it was always fantastic and really appropriate and there was one in particular where you and your motley crew of idiots are climbing into this really wonky spaceship that you've created so you can fly up to the hyperion station and you're climbing this it's all in slow motion, you know, again, very Armageddon, just walking towards the spaceship and you're climbing up this ridiculously long ladder and this piece of music is playing called uh, To the Top by a band called Twin Shadow, which I did look up earlier today. And it just fits perfectly and it precedes 
this is this game's quite old now, but if you want if you don't want Tales from the Borderlands spoilers, then skip ahead a few minutes. But this is the the episode where Scooter sacrifices himself for the good of the crew and the team and the mission. And it's 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 really put into I feel like this music is very appropriate. It's it it stuck with me way after the fact. And in fact, this isn't even something that I played that recently. I did play episode one like a week and a half ago but this right. moment this song has stuck with me because of what ha- what goes on to to happen afterwards and so yes in short or i suppose very long music can make or break a game for sure it can and you have i wasn't sure i was going to uh say this to charlie brain but you mentioned licensed songs i'm gonna say it are you ready yeah Back in was it 2009 when uh, Fallout New Vegas came out, it was somewhere around that. Um, but it was my first time playing it. 2010, I think. Sorry, cut you off. Apology accepted. Um, okay, no, yeah, 2010. I played it very soon after release, maybe that weekend. And I've played it since, but I remember specifically that first time. And the reason I wasn't going to bring this up is because it's not really the game that did this. And uh, I'll get into that now. I was just kind of roaming the wasteland. I don't think I was looking for a quest objective or anything. I'm just walking around and seeing what I find. And at some point uh, night had fallen. So I'm walking around in the dark and I hear in the distance um, there's uh, a radio somewhere. There's a radio playing and I follow the sound to see what it's going to lead me to. I figure there's somebody at the radio or it's in a building. And that's not what I found. What I found was a really steep hill overlooking a valley. And I climbed to the top of the hill to get to where the radio was. And all I saw there was a chair, the radio next to it, and maybe uh, some beer bottles. So there's no, there's no notes or terminals or anything saying, you know, I'm out here and here's what I'm doing. It's just the chair and the radio and this view over this enormous valley. And on the radio, uh, I don't know who sings it, but it's, it's a real song. It's the song I'm So Blue. And it's this sort of sad... Um, torch song you know the the song of lost love and it's not even in the song the game applies an echo filter depending on where these radios are so i just heard this song playing beside me and echoing out across the canyon and it was just a really i don't know moving sight because i i pictured somebody there's no skeleton here or anything i'm just picturing that somebody at the end of the world you know in this miserable uh, existence brings a chair up to the top of the hill with a radio and he just looks out over the wasteland and listens to sad songs and I have listened to Fallout soundtracks many times since I think that they're great uh, New Vegas especially is great and I listen to I'm So Blue and it's a it's a nice little song but my mind is always adding that echo from that moment it just made it this haunting wonderful um, experience and the game didn't do that I just happened to stumble on that particular part of the map at that particular time but my god i've never forgotten that that's excellent yeah video games they're they're pretty good they're all right yeah i'm starting to like them they're pretty good when they get going they're all right i think they could uh i think they got a future kid let's see that's me talking to video games i think you've got a future kid yeah I can't add to that. I, th- I think that's exactly the advice you should give. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Well, 
Philip, it's time to move on to okay. our main event. Okay. Are you are you ready? Do you have your receipts there? Now I do, yes. Okay. It's time for the big discussion. Big discussion. Big discussion time. It's the big discussion this week, courtesy of Gabrielle Philippink, who says, Hello, Ben and Philip. I was just wondering if there was a boss fight or other moment in a video game that caused you to step away from the game until you were calmer or able to figure out how to get past it. In playing Persona 5 Royal, I was stuck on Okumura, the Big Bang Burger boss, and had to take a break from looking at the game for a couple of weeks until I didn't feel like throwing the controller. Thank you for always making my days better and for being lovely. Thank you, Gabrielle. Yes, thank you. Have you played Persona 5? <laughs> uh, let me just double check here. Okay, Gabrielle specifies Royal. I haven't played that. I've played the original Persona 5. Um, okay, so... this boss is in that one. So okay, I, in that case, yes, I there. do remember because I recently replayed, I played um, Persona 5 Royal for the first time, having obviously played Persona 5 previously uh, this year. And right. my God, yeah, the Okumura boss is is not good. And it's not any better in Royal either. I got pretty stuck on it. I had to do it a few times. Uh, to jog your memory, it's the it's the boss fight that's in the UFO. Or no, the piggy oh. bank. It's in, it's oh, it's the, the piggy bank. I was thinking the space the station. Bank? No, no, no. Yeah, no, you're right. It's the space station. That's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Yes, it's the space station. You're up there, and Okumura summons various minions of differing strength, but they all have different. Uh, they uh, all have different status weaknesses, and if I'm remembering rightly, they're really terrible. And you also have a timer in the boss fight, and it, uh, I think the timer ran down about three times for me before I was able to get it right. So it is a case of just repeating until you succeed. Uh, but because I was there to sort of smell the roses, having played Persona 5 before, I was not playing on a hard difficulty, and I still struggled to get through. And when I was Googling, you know, what's up with this boss? There's just loads of GameFAQs uh, game posts like, this is... BS, why haven't they patched this? This is rubbish. It's not fun. I don't understand how this made it through QA. So I totally sympathize with uh, with Gabrielle on this one. Were all of those posts by Gabrielle? Did you cross-check this? Say that again? Uh, were all of these posts written by Gabrielle? Did she oh, just spam impossible. the internet with her frustrations? Or were these different <laughs> My it might well be true, yes. She might have written every single one of the complaints that I read in different accounts just so that uh, the developers would see it. And right, fix yeah. it, which they, they haven't. Sorry. It's rubbish, man. It's rubbish. Uh, but what about you? Any bosses that made you step away? Uh, I had a few. Um, one of them I really... I, I shouldn't even count it, I guess, but I'm going to count it. It was very recent. I played, uh, I played ukulele for the first time. And Ooh, okay. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy any of it. I, <laughs> That's fair enough. Okay, well, that that actually is not fair. I, I enjoyed the soundtrack. I thought that was great. Um, you know, whatever, rolling around, hitting enemies, that's fine. But it really was not a good game. And I pushed on with it for God knows what reason. Um, but And I, I went all the way to the final boss. But specifically, I remember the very first boss, when I was at the height of my disappointment and irritation with the game. It's a big ramp. Have you played ukulele? I haven't. No, I think Peter has. Okay. Um, well, I apologize, Peter, if you, if you loved it. But uh, the first boss is a big ramp, like literally a physical ramp with a face at the top. And you have to 
roll up the ramp because you'll slide if you're not rolling. You have to roll up the ramp, get to the face, hit the face, and that's it. You do that a bunch of times. Nice and easy, basic video game stuff. But the way the boss is configured, the camera angle shifts as you move up, so you can't actually see what's coming. And the boss is you know, throwing all these logs down at you. You have to avoid the logs and get to the top. If you get hit, you slide all the way down to the bottom. If you do get to the top and you hit him, you do damage, but then he throws you back to the bottom anyway. And it was <laughs> ridiculously irritating for a first boss. It's one thing, if an early boss is, is difficult, you know, that's, that's fine. It's, the game's telling you, hey, this is going to be a hard game. But with this, it was, the de- um, it was the design that was working against me rather than the challenge. So you mm-hmm. would really think that they would have uh, noticed these issues with the boss and fixed them, and they didn't. So that was making me angry. And I had to put the controller down, walk away. I came back a few days later, and I, I was certainly less frustrated. I had a clearer mind. But I don't think I did better. I beat him, but I think I just kind of happened to beat him. Um, and then I was glad, and I played the rest of the game, and I realized this game is really not worth sticking with. But um, yeah, that one had kind of a sad ending. But uh, I will say there was another boss which had a much happier ending, and that was Final Fantasy X, which is my my personal favorite Final Fantasy game. I think uh, okay. all of us in Triple Jump have different ones. Um, but my yeah. favorite is Final Fantasy X. The first time I played it, I made it uh, all the way through the game. This happens a lot with RPGs, um, turn-based RPGs, uh, in my experience. You can defeat enemies along the way, but then you get near the end, you get to the final boss or somebody close, and they just wipe you out because you're, you're not prepared. You're under-leveled, and you didn't realize you were under-leveled. And that happened with Final Fantasy X. I will say, uh, Gabrielle, that this does not reflect any frustration at all. I got there. I realized I was under-leveled, and I... Um, would have to walk around for a few hours beating enemies and you know boosting my level to fight again but at that point i was already so in love with the game that i just decided to start over and play through the story again knowing what happens and a little more about these characters because i knew not only can i fight more enemies and gain more levels along the way but i knew i would appreciate the story more knowing where a lot of um, these plot threads are leading so yeah that one i had to put the controller down and walk away, but when I picked it up, I started again fresh, and I loved it. At no point did I think, uh, this this rotten game, I've got to play it all over again because I'm mm-hmm. angry with how this turned out. I I loved it even more the second time through, so that's that's my happier ending of a boss that made me step away. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. You came around in the end. I did, yeah. I still love Final Fantasy X. And, and right now, if I were to pick it up and you know play for 30 hours or whatever and get to the boss he's not difficult it's i mm-hmm. i don't really know offhand what was happening i assume he was just kind of killing me in one turn and i couldn't do anything about it but uh it's yeah it's really not that hard a game but in a way i'm i'm glad that i hit that roadblock because i got to experience it again a second time so close to the first and uh i don't know it, it was just really nice to have that ability to experience the game again in a richer way I bet. I think I had similar things with uh, various From Software titles as well. Oh, I bet. Uh, especially when I was first starting to play them. Uh, so I had a sort of guide that uh, one of my friends who who practically carried me through Demon Souls on PS3 <laughs> and the first Dark Souls as well. And 
I had no I, I was having a fantastic time but I had no idea what I was doing what any of the stats meant what the implication of like weapon scaling with different skills was like I just I wasn't interested I was just I wanted the weapon that did the most damage and that was it right and then in subsequent you know replaythroughs having educated myself I got so much more out of it finally being able to understand how it all worked properly you know there's there's really something to be said for starting from scratch and and really paying attention with the benefit of of some some research I agree with that. I have not had that experience with the Souls games. I, I've played them. They're unquestionably good games, uh, but I have yet to get good at them myself. And oh, I see. I, ah, there's a bit of stubbornness there because I know I could look up um, whatever I want, basically, and go in mm-hmm. with some knowledge and understanding of how these weapons work and what I need to keep in mind. I don't do that. That is on me. Um, but man, I, I, I think I just keep expecting that if I play more i will get better it will naturally happen and i will be happy and i i have not gotten better i do like the games but can't <laughs> can't get very far in them one of these days we'll get Definitely. You through it yeah any we'll any day now <laughs> uh, i have two bosses that i had to walk away from for a bit uh, the first one which i will not spoil seeing as you are working through it and the games Uh-oh. are suddenly relevant again now is the final boss from Mass Effect 2. And okay, I well, I didn't know there was a final boss, so thanks for the spoiler. Well, sucks to be you, yeah, I guess. Yeah, God. I so not finish the game at this point. There's a trophy for finishing the game on Insanity difficulty, which is the hardest difficulty you would, you would have imagined. <laughs> and it's really just so punishingly hard. And I got all the way through to the end of the game, and then this boss was just one hit kill all my grinding and efforts of leveling up and making sure i was prepared none of it worked all my tactics getting through the game leading up to this boss was using a special skill that allowed me to go invisible for short periods of time and i would literally run past enemies to get to the next cutscene so i wouldn't have to do any combat encounters that sounds like a great strategy yeah how how could that not work against the final boss and then this final boss was just, just excruciating, and I did have to stop playing for a bit, but I did eventually do it, and it, it was, I can almost guarantee, I was at university at the time, I can almost guarantee that it was one of those sessions where it was like three, four in the morning, and I was like, <laughs> I did it, and I'm just crying, just stinking, sat in this chair that I haven't moved out of for probably 12 hours or something disgusting like that, because oh, I haven't had anything to do, because... You're in higher education. What's the point? No point. You're going to walk out of there, walk into a high-paying job, because that's what they tell you, right? You get a degree, guaranteed a high-paying job. So I was like, I don't need to do anything. I'll just play Mass Effect 2 in my pants all day. And now that's your job. I think that's exactly what you have been doing. I mean, I still do it to this day. Nothing changed. But uh, the other one, the other boss, and this is the major one for me that immediately sprung to mind, was the Adamantois from Final Fantasy XV. Yes, I know just who you mean. Yes, you mean the super boss with 5,624,400 HP. That one. Exactly what I was going to say, yes. So Adamantois is an optional hunt in Final Fantasy XV. It's an endgame hunt, as you would imagine. It is a super boss... It is ridiculous. It's it's literally a mountain that has a, a tortoise underneath. 
and as you approach it emerges from the earth and you have to fight it. And before the game released, and I've done a little bit of googling here, the director, Hajime Tabata, I believe, mentioned defeating the Adamantois would take 30 in-game days, which would be close to 15 hours in real time. That wasn't true at all, but okay, good. <laughs> realistically, it was still about two hours. Some people can do it in under an hour. It's about two hours. It's also incredibly tedious. It sounds like it. it. It doesn't really do much damage or have much of an opportunity to do damage to you unless you're being an idiot. So you can kind of just warp strike it over and over and over again. And this is just, it's so boring. And I did it for about an hour and 20 minutes. It had about a third of its health left. And then the physics of this gargantuan lad just completely freaked out. It flung me at about, I don't know, Mach 5, about four miles away from where the boss fight was. I just suddenly just got just flung like inhumanly fast, like it was a proper glitch. And it took me out of aggro range and oh. ended the encounter. And it's and it just basically wiped all my progress in that boss fight. If I go back up to it, I start again. And Great. I had to put that down and leave it for a while before coming back and doing it again. And that was, I think, one of the last trophies I needed for the Platinum in that game too. And so I was like, I'm not going to let this beat me. But I did need to walk away because that was just punishing for punishing sake, I felt. Two hours of just mashing the same button over and over again. That's not a challenge. Right. No, that doesn't sound engaging at all. (laughs) God. Yeah, I'm glad you walked away. I I, I think I would worry if you had spent an hour and a half doing this, you got kicked away or whatever the Turtle Mountain did to you, and then you went back just to do another two hours of, you know, hacking away at it, and you felt fine about that. I'd worry for the state of your mind. I got stuff on, man. I got things to do. Yeah, you're a busy guy. I got Mass Effect 2 final bosses to defeat in my pants. There's just stuff. There's stuff on that is more pressing. God. Wow. Yeah. I hate that story. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Do you, do you have any other examples of bosses you've walked away from? Or are we all done here? Uh, pretty much those were the ones that came to mind. Um, I, actually, I will point out that a lot of time, mm-hmm. a lot of the time that I find a boss that's just... Uh, murdering me repeatedly um yeah i'm usually okay with that like uh what came to mind here were the castlevania games symphony of the night and uh other games in the series that were uh, structured like symphony of the night you'll walk into a room and a boss is enormous and he wipes you out easily and that should be frustrating but i don't know a lot of the time that that happens i I kind of enjoy it (laughs) i don't want to sound masochistic or anything but um I just, I think, okay, wow, I know where the challenge is now. I'm going to go back and I'm going to murder a bunch of things and find some better weapons, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to kill this guy. And it, in a game that is built well, and certainly Symphony of the Night is, and games along those lines, um, it works. That It ends up being a motivating factor rather than an obstacle. Uh, so mm-hmm. most of the time, fortunately, that has been my experience. Well, there we are. Yeah. Of course. Make sure everybody listening and watching at home, let us know what you thinks, uh, thinks, oh my goodness, what's going on with my language? You you thinks of the various things we've discussed today. Leave it in the comments. Message us on social media, all that sort of stuff. Philip is going to tell you where you can find Triple Jump across the internet. Here is where you can find Triple Jump across the internet. On YouTube at youtube.com slash Team Triple Jump. On Twitch at twitch.tv slash 
Team Triple Jump, and you can use your, uh, if you have Amazon Prime, you get a free Twitch subscription, so by all means, if you're interested, feel free to use it there. Um, thank you to the mods on Twitch, Lord Brodovich. Yep. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Master Dactyl <laughs> and Troweling Badger. I knew how to say it, I just wasn't quite sure. I just um, needed to check. I did. Uh, Twitter.com slash Team Triple Jump. Facebook.com slash Team Triple Jump. And thank you to our moderator there, Luke Eldon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Team Triple Jump. Website. Triple. <laughs> T-R-I-P-L-E. J-U dot M-P. Triple Jud dot Mup, Philip. Triple J dot Mup. I, I, I wanted to be extra careful. Um, okay. I've got an American okay. accent, so people might not understand. Uh, Discord. <laughs> Triple J dot mop slash Discord. Thank you to the mods there as well. Jack, Joe, and Hollow Eyes. Thank you, Ben. Uh, and the podcast you can find at triple J dot mop slash podcast. All of the live stream VODs you can find at triple J dot mop slash VODs. And you can find our store at triplejumpshop.com or triplejumpshop on Twitter. Fantastic. Look at that. You're a pro. You did fantastic. I sure did. Now, he's not here, but we're going to promote his social media anyway. You can find Peter on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday and Friday. Thursday being the joint stream, Blaze It on YouTube. Monday and Friday being solo streams on Twitch. Worst Games Ever is fortnightly, Friday for patrons of a certain tier, Sunday for everyone else. The podcast is every Saturday and we do shows once every other week or thereabouts. Why not leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice? It helps something to do with algorithms. There is a lot going on. There's an awful lot happening in the coming weeks and also this week. So firstly, as you would have heard at the top of the show, triplejump.gg. That's a real site. You can go there and buy digital currencies and subscriptions for your favorite online gaming things. This is real. This actually exists. So if you are going to buy this stuff, please do it through there. It genuinely will help us out. So thank you for that in advance. We'd also like to welcome Fraser Porter who has joined Cultaholic and Triple Jump as a full-time community manager. You will see him doing all sorts of stuff across various platforms on the Discord, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, We're especially going to be trying to step up Facebook soon, Philip, and putting some more video stuff out on there. So make sure you tell your mum and your elderly relatives who use Facebook. My elderly relatives love Facebook. And video games. And yeah, it's the perfect marriage, really. The Venn diagram of the two, they're right in there. Elderly relatives. (laughs) They love triple jump. Also, I jumped the gun last week. The Fallout New Vegas What It Means to Me with Emma from Emolition is this week, not last week. It's a good video. Please watch it. It went out on Friday. Also kicking off next week, we've got tons of E3 coverage. (laughs) Yes, we do. Schedule for the live streams is finally firming up now. We will be streaming reactions to the big uh, press conferences and live streams as they happen. We'll also be doing uh, various what happened at for the various live streams as well to make sure that you can get all caught up if you didn't manage to catch them live, as well as various list content that Philip has been coordinating so marvellously, talking about various E3 topics from the past and, of course, contemporary stuff as well in terms of what happened at E3 2021. The biggest stuff from E10, biggest announcements from E3 2021. There's going to be loads, so make sure you stay tuned to our social media to keep up with all of that. Just taking that deep breath, bear with me. And finally, 
In perhaps the best news so far, our The Sniper 2 speedrun record has been beaten. Boo! That's horrible Boo. news, man. Boo! Some people say that it's because this person was able to skip cutscenes and we That's refused to. Absurd. But, uh, he should be disqualified. Or she. Or she. Yeah, that's very true. So we'd like to congratulate Phantom Aquarius for surpassing our record by quite a considerable margin, uh, finishing it in 14 minutes and 29 seconds as opposed to, I think, our one hour and 27 minutes. But we really were smelling the roses and it was nice to be on top of the mountain for a bit. Still, though, we do go down in the history books as, at, at one point at least, being record-holding speedrunners, so they can't take that away from us. They ever. cannot. No. Be very proud of that, man so proud uh, finally philip where can people find you online oh they can find me at noiselesschatter.com uh that's also me on pretty much all of the social media except for twitter where that doesn't fit i'm no no, no noise chit chat on twitter wonderful and you can of course catch up with all of philip's amazing work on our every x ranked from worst to best playlist and if you see just the 10 point list you'll know He'll have had a hand in there some, somewhere. Just a little sprinkling of love in there from Philip. Just oh, and of course, go watch his uh, Resident Evil, What It Means to Me video. It's great. Go check it out. Excellent. Philip, thank you so much for doing yeah, thank you for having with me. me this week. It's been really fun. Hopefully we'll get you on again in the future. Hopefully hopefully Peter goes on holiday and we'll have to deal with him and we'll do it together. Yeah, and by the way, please do go to Peter's Instagram and Twitter and show him some love because you didn't show him any love in the questions. <laughs> And I, I don't want him, you know, having any second thoughts about them. So let him know you appreciate him. He's a good That's guy. That's true. Send some love to Tiny Peter over there. We will, of course, wrap up with our sponsor, Totally Real. Uh, coming next this month. God, it comes up fast, doesn't it? Coming this month, Ratchet and Clank, Ripped to Fart. That's it. I have nothing so more excited. to say about it. That's nothing all you need more to, to say. say. Yeah. Philip, thank you. Thank you for having me. And we'll catch you guys next time. Look after yourselves and enjoy your, your weekends. And get excited for E3. It's happening. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 